Greer. Welcome to the Seeking Pearls podcast. Today we are going to start a new series on the podcast called, Do You See This Woman? Based on a question that, that Jesus asked in the story that we are going to look at today. I love studying women in the Bible. I love studying their stories and their hearts and particularly their interactions with Jesus throughout the pages of scripture. And I love to see how much we can learn about who Jesus is, the way that he loves us, his tender interaction with individuals uh, through the stories of him encountering women um, throughout the Old and the New Testament. We're going to start today with one of my favorite women in the whole Bible. I absolutely love her. I don't know her name. Nobody on earth knows her name, but God knows her name. And I am quite certain that when I get to heaven, he will give me the opportunity to meet her and to hear her story, to talk with her more about her experiences on earth and her interaction with Jesus. I just love her. A lot of people think that this woman is Mary Magdalene, but there is absolutely no record of that in the Bible. Mary Magdalene is one character in the New Testament, and this woman is clearly another woman. Um, other people say that she is Mary of Bethany, who who does the same thing. This woman we're going to look at today is going to anoint Jesus' feet. Mary of Bethany does the same thing in John chapter 12. But they are very clearly different accounts and different women. So we don't know who this woman is, but I love her so much, and I can't wait to meet her and talk to her and hear all about this night and hear her life story and and find out what made her so brave to go into the Pharisee's house on this day when she did. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. And we meet this dear woman in verse 36. So I will be reading and I will stop along and explain as we go. So Luke 7 verse 36 When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Okay, so that's kind of a unique phrase. We don't use the phrase recline at the table. So if you have ever looked at pictures of like a Roman dining room, they sit on these things called triclinium, and they're kind of like benches, and they're kind of like couches. They're like padded benches, kind of. And they would sort of almost lay down on them or prop themselves up on their elbows with their feet laying out. Um, That's how they reclined at the table. That was their traditional pattern of eating. And verse 37, a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Okay, so there's a few things for us to talk about here. First of all, it says a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. So in the Greek, that word would would indicate a woman of the city, which that phrase would indicate that she was almost certainly a prostitute. She learned that Jesus was at the Pharisee's house. Now, the Pharisees were people who who it was it was very, very important to them to keep the law as perfectly as they possibly could. And unfortunately, what came out of that is often a very condescending and judgmental attitude towards those who did not keep the law, towards those who were outright sinners. And this woman, being known as a prostitute, 
certainly would have been known as an outright sinner. And not only that, but sexual sin would have made her unclean and would have made anyone that she touched unclean as well. And yet she's so brave to come into this house. She almost for sure knows that information about how her her sexual sin would have led her to be unclean. We think she knows that. We don't know for sure. Maybe she's not aware of that. Aware, maybe she's not aware of the position she was putting the other people in when she came into this house in her unclean state. But um, she's so brave because whether or not she knows that information about the law, she wants to get to Jesus. She needs to see Jesus. So apparently she has heard about him. She's heard about his healings. She apparently has heard about his grace and his kindness and the mercy he extends to people. And she wanted to go and be near him. Almost certainly she's also heard about his teachings and the the way that the crowds followed around him. And she wanted to be near him. All right, so she goes there with perfume, and this jar of perfume would have cost a lot of money. And I want you to think for a moment about the way in which she almost certainly made the money with which she purchased the perfume. So she probably would have used her lifestyle of sin to make the money that would have purchased this perfume. And that gets significant in just a moment, so hang on to that. So in verse 38, she says, As she stood behind Jesus um, at his feet, weeping. Okay, so that's because of the way he's reclined on this triclinium or this couch bench around the table. The way that he's laying down, she's behind him at his feet. And she's weeping. Isn't that amazing that she's crying? Like, she was so brave to go into the house. So brave. And I just have to wonder, like, we don't know how many people were there when somebody threw a party or a dinner and was having a rabbi come. It was very normal for, like, a lot of people. If they, if they heard the rabbi was going to be there, they would go and they would have dinner and they would listen to the rabbi teach. And this person, Simon, whose house we're at right now, not Simon Peter, the disciple, but Simon the Pharisee, a different person, is likely quite wealthy to have all these people over at his house. And um, so he may have a lot of space and he might have a lot of people over on this evening. The house might be really quite quite crowded. And she, here she is. She goes in there. Now, we know that she apparently has a reputation. Like, people know who she is. We're going to learn that in a moment. And she's so brave to just enter the space, knowing that people will know who she is. People will know what she's done. People will know about her reputation. And yet, in she walks. And as soon as she gets behind Jesus, she just starts to cry why does she cry? In fact, it says weep. She starts to weep. And the way this is phrased in the Greek would, it, would say that it's she's weeping and she's, she keeps on weeping like she can't stop. So just the presence of Jesus, I would imagine being in the presence of his grace and his kindness and his mercy, especially if she's had a lifestyle and a lifetime of giving herself over to men she likely does not even know what it is to be around kindness and mercy and grace and patience and love. 
you know, we have to remember that more often than not, there is a lifestyle, or not a lifestyle, but a lifetime of abuse, of childhood abuse, that leads to a, a lifestyle of prostitution. No woman, no girl, no young lady has ever decided that they want to be a prostitute. Nobody ever has chosen to be a prostitute. But it's usually from a childhood of abuse that then a young woman, in her attempt to forget the abuse or erase the pain of the abuse, turns to drugs and alcohol and becomes addicted. And then as a means to pay for that addiction, there's just one thing that she has been trained in her brain to do, and that is to sell her body, to pay for the addiction. And it's a horrible, um, evil trap that she falls into. She does not choose it, and it's a it's been a lifetime of pain that has led to this lifestyle. So this dear woman, when she comes in to this household, and she knows that she's being judged by everyone around her, but she just comes to the feet of Jesus and just being in his presence, knowing that, or just hearing the rumors. I mean, she might not know very much about him yet, but just wondering, like, are these rumors true? Does he really show kindness to people? Does he really touch the lepers? Does he really heal the women who are bleeding? And did he really forgive the woman who was caught in adultery? I don't know if that happened before or after this, but, you know, she's heard all these stories about him and just being in his presence makes her just start to weep. Like, is it true? Can he do this for me? Like this whole lifetime of pain that I've had, can he can he take that away? Can he bring healing to my heart the way that he has brought healing to other people's bodies physically? Can he do that for me? And it just brings her to weep at his feet. So it says that she stood behind him weeping and she began to wet his feet with her tears. So clearly she fell down, like in her weeping, she fell down at his feet weeping until she's kneeling at his feet and the tears are falling all over his feet. And it says she wiped his feet with her hair and kissed them and then she poured perfume on them. So I just want you to wrap your head around the scene here. This woman is in this crowded dinner party. She is weeping. Like the whole place is full of people. She's at his feet weeping. And then she's crying so hard that she's able to wash his feet. We're going to find out in just a couple minutes that when he came into the dinner party, Simon the Pharisee didn't even wash his feet. Didn't have one of the servants wash his feet, which would have been typical. His feet are dirty. I mean, they walk around on dirt roads in sandals all day, every single day. And it would have been the normal thing to do to wash his feet first. And Simon didn't do that for him. So his feet are dirty. And she cries so hard on them that her tears are able to wash them. And then this dear, wonderful woman, she takes her long hair, pulls it over her shoulder, and uses it as a towel to dry off his feet after her tears have washed them. And then she opens up her perfume bottle and pours this perfume all over his feet. Now, this is a dinner party, so we can assume that there are wonderful aromas of fish and potatoes and freshly baked bread and wine that are just 
filling up the house. Like the aromas are just are just wonderful and delicious. And yet here's this other aroma coming from where this woman is on the floor and it's the aroma of perfume which would have probably been strong enough to to overwhelm all the other aromas in the house. And so if anyone hasn't noticed yet that there's a woman at the floor crying at Jesus's feet, they notice now because the aroma of the perfume is so pervasive amongst all the other smells in the kitchen. So she's crying at his feet. And the next verse, verse 39 says, when the Pharisee who invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man was really a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she's a sinner. So he's he says this to himself, like he's thinking to himself. And also just keep in mind what I mentioned earlier is that if she has sexual sin as part of her story, then she is ceremonial un- ceremonially unclean and she would be getting Jesus unclean as well by touching him but Jesus knows that he he wants to show love and compassion to her he knows that that is far more important than becoming ceremonially unclean and he may after this he may go through a seven-day cleansing period where he's going to cleanse from his ceremonial uncleanness remember Jesus didn't abolish the law Jesus fulfills the law so he may certainly adhere to the law and go through a cleansing process after this encounter but it doesn't matter to him he knows look the love that I show to this woman is the most important thing becoming unclean right now is not the most important thing so Simon is doubting not only Jesus's love and kindness, but also who Jesus says he is. Because he's like, if this man was really a prophet, he would know who's touching him. And then Jesus answers him out loud, which I just love because it shows that Jesus knew exactly what Simon was thinking. And he says, Simon, I have, tell- I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Jesus says, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50 Okay, so a denarii, a denarius is one day's pay approximately for a day, for like a day worker. So one of these people own, owe the moneylender 500 days worth of work. That's what, like a year and a half of a year of salary, a year and a half of salary. And the other one only owed 50 days, so a month and a half. So it is five, or sorry, 10 times, like, the one who has the bigger debt owes 10 times as much as the other guy. And he says neither one of them has the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both of them. Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who has the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Okay, I want to pause right here. Do you see this woman? This is one of my favorite sentences in all of the Bible. I think it is so beautiful, so profound. I think Jesus is saying leaps and volumes in this one little sentence. This woman, we have made the scene quite clear. She's on the floor bawling (laughs) during a dinner party. She is cleaning Jesus's feet with her hair and she is 
pouring perfume on them. So again, everybody, even if they didn't hear her crying or see her fall on the floor, they certainly smell the perfume. And by now they have figured out where it's coming from. And they all know that she's on the floor and they know who she is and they know her reputation. But Jesus asks, do you see this woman? I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, Simon, do you see that there is a female laying by my feet crying? I don't think that's all he's asking. I think he's asking, Simon, do you see her? Do you see beyond the mess that she's making, beyond the spilled perfume, beyond the aroma of perfume? Do you see beyond her reputation? And do you see the heart of this woman? Do you see how broken she is? Do you see how she is weeping because her life has been a life full of pain and sorrow and it hurts her? Do you see how she's weeping because she's sorry that she gave herself over to a lifetime of sin? Do you see that her past has been haunting her this whole life? And she wants to be free from it now? Do you see her, Simon? Jesus goes on and he says, I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Her many sins have been forgiven. Another translation of the Bible says, and her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. I love that translation. Jesus is just being totally straightforward here. He's not beating around the bush whatsoever. And I love that about Jesus. He just comes out totally honest and says, yeah, you're right. She has a lifetime of sin. You're right. But you know what? She's forgiven. I forgive her. I set her free because she came in here full of love. She came in here knowing that she needed mercy. And she fell at my feet asking for mercy. And I'm going to give it to her in the fullness, the fullness of mercy. She knows she needs it. Simon, you didn't show me that you needed any mercy when I came in here. You didn't even seem like you were grateful to have me here. You invited me to your house, but you didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, which would have been typical back then. You didn't even give me a kiss on the cheek hello. You just treated me nonchalantly, like I didn't matter. This woman, she showed me that she loves me. She needs the mercy and the grace and the kindness and the love and the forgiveness that I have to offer. And I'm going to pour it out over her in abundance, Simon. Do you get it? Do you see her? By this time, I have to think that the woman who's been on the floor this whole time, I have to think that she's kind of like looking up at Jesus like, Oh my goodness, are you really going to forgive me? (laughs) Like, did I really just hear that story that you told Simon? Did I hear that right? 
Because I, I think she knows. I'm the one who owes 500 denarii. I'm the one with the bigger debt here. And you're going to forgive it all? You are going to bless me on the account of the fact that I love you and that I'm unabashed <laughs> and that I just came in here weeping and pouring my sin literally on your feet. And I want you to think about that. Earlier in the uh, in our time together today, I, I mentioned this jar of expensive perfume and I suggested that she very likely paid for that perfume by her lifestyle of sin, by selling her body. That's probably how she got the money for it. And so she's pouring it on the feet of Jesus. And I love that visual to us because when we confess our sin to Jesus, it's so easy for us to just to confess our sin to Jesus and then we kind of like pack it back up and take it with us again. Like, well, I'm probably not going to really give this up, so I'll just take it with me. This woman couldn't do that. She poured out her sin on Jesus' feet, almost literally, figuratively, but almost literally. And she's she can't pick it back up. Like it's spilled out on the floor and she can't pick it back up again. She has to leave her sin with Jesus. Jesus' feet and probably his whole body by this time are going to walk away from this house with the aroma of her sin on him. And then, more importantly, the aroma of her freedom, of being set free from that sin. She is going to walk away free because she poured her sin on Jesus. And so by this time, I have to assume that she's looking up at him like in shock and awe and the tears still rolling down, except maybe by now the tears are no longer in sorrow and pain, but now maybe they're tears of joy like, oh my goodness, he's going to set me free. He forgives me. He loves me. He cherishes me. He sees me. And he asked all the people there if they see me, not just if they see that I'm here, but do they really see me? He showed them that he loves me. And in verse 48, Jesus said to her, and I think she's looking right at his eyes and he's looking right at her eyes. And he says to her, your sins are forgiven. In verse 49, it says the other guests began to the, the other guests began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is so wonderful because think about her life. We already talked a little bit about what is often or most often the childhood and the young life of somebody who turns to prostitution. It's one of pain and agony and abuse, almost always. And, and then she turned to prostitution at some age, and her lifestyle in prostitution would have continued being one of pain and agony and abuse and being used and regret and sorrow and shame and guilt. Jesus says to her here, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This dear woman has probably never known a day of peace in her life. And Jesus sets her free on this day and he gives her peace. Jesus says in John 14, 27, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. I do not give peace as the world gives. 
His peace is different than the world's. His peace doesn't um, shift and change like the weather or um, like if we think of peace and quiet as just like a quiet morning with our cup of coffee, but then the kids might wake up and be really loud or a dump truck goes outside or the, um, the dogs start barking or whatever, and it totally ruins our peace and quiet. The peace of God is not like that. The peace of God can't be shaken. It's stable and it's sure and it's certain. In uh, Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 it says that the peace of God is a bodyguard it's like well it's a guard a guard around our heart and our minds and I always picture it like a bodyguard guarding over our heart and our mind to keep them steady and calm even in the midst of chaos of life and Jesus sends her sends her away and he gives her peace for very likely the first time ever in her life he sends her away with peace But here's the deal. I'm fairly convinced that this dear woman wouldn't be able to know the peace of God if she didn't believe him two verses earlier when he says, your sins are forgiven. If she didn't believe when he said that and was like, "Uh, I don't think he really can forgive my sins. They're too big. They're too many. He must not really know what I did wrong. If she doesn't believe him and take him at his word, then she's never going to have the peace that he is giving to her. He's giving her the peace, and he wants her to take it with her, and I believe she does, because she believes him when he says, your sins are forgiven. And dear friend, I want to ask you if you believe that. Jesus says the same thing to you and I. When we come to him with our sin and we pour it out at his feet, he says the same thing to us. He says, your sins are forgiven. And he wants to send us away in peace, but we won't go away with his peace unless we believe that he really has forgiven us. So friend, I just want to ask you today, do you believe him? Do you believe him? When he says, your sins are forgiven. Do you believe him? I, w- I hope you do because I want you to go away in peace today. As you turn off this podcast, I want you to have the peace of God that he forgives your sin. He forgives your sin. Also, I want us to just think on this question. Do you see this woman? Uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at different women in the Bible uh, under this theme. Do you see this woman? And we'll be looking at their stories and looking at their pain and looking at their victories and looking, most importantly, at their encounters with Jesus. And we'll be thinking about our own lives, thinking, do I see the women around me, the people around me, the hurting ones around me? Do I see who God has put in my path that I'm supposed to see? Who am I missing? And, you know, sometimes as we go through these biblical texts, it might become apparent to us that the person we're missing is ourselves. Maybe it's yourself that you are not seeing and that you are not allowing to have the peace of God because there's there's something like holding you back from it. I'm excited to go on this journey with you. I'm excited for us to really seek out the people that God has put in our lives who are hurting and he's saying to us, do you see her? Do you see him? They need some love. Can you give them some love? Or are you too busy judging them? 
it's convicting to me and I hope that you hang with me as we go through this study Um, and then the last thing I just want you to know again is just to reiterate Jesus wants us to go in peace he says your faith has saved you go in peace go in peace dear friend go in peace in the peace of God which cannot be easily shaken go in peace Thank you, friend. I'm so excited to meet you here again next Wednesday as we look at another woman in the Bible and uh, and see her story and see her encounter with, with God and see her encounter with other people. And we might even meet ourselves as we are studying her story. Thanks so much. I have, hope you have an awesome day. Thank you for joining me on the Seeking Pearls podcast. Oh, I should say there's also now a Seeking Pearls Facebook page where you can follow along with things that are going on through our study of the Bible. Have an awesome day. Bye.